This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Samovar Tea. To find out more, visit samovarlife.com. And by listeners like you. To find out more and make a donation, visit insideactingpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview actors, directors, writers, filmmakers, uh, agents, managers, cinematographers, anybody involved with the entertainment industry, and we bring those interviews to you. And of course, we love hearing your voice on the podcast as well, so we have a bunch of ways to do that. You can check out our website at insideactingpodcast.com to learn how to get in touch with us. And on today's episode, we have uh, a lot of kind of goodies for everybody. We got two downloadable goodies uh, that we're going to talk about, as well as we've got part two with of our interview with established playwright and up and coming screenwriter Kit Steinkellner. Hey, everybody! Who's who? Who is that over there? <laughs> It's been a little while Who for is me, that? huh? Is that, is that Trevor Algat? <laughs> He's returned to us. <laughs> Thanks for, uh, for um, propping up the, the podcast last week, dude. I had a blast. You did I, everything last week. I, I had nothing to do at all with the podcast. You posted it on the internet. Oh, that's right. I posted it, but that's it. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I had a blast. I really did. It was fun, uh, you know, uh, having Nelson's voice on the podcast, inviting Melissa back, and also... Um, just being at the Showbiz Expo, but you—I mean, it's not like you were like you know, wa- uh, you know, at home on your couch watching Dexter. You were at a <laughs> casting director <laughs> workshop, unless you lied to me. No, right? no, I was. I went to a workshop. <clears throat> that was like an all-day thing, right? Uh, no, it was only a couple hours, but oh, it was okay. right smack dab in the middle of uh, of the Showbiz Expo. Okay, okay, and wow. I already paid for it and everything. So. Right, right. And what, what else has been going on? Any any good? Well, I had I had a uh, a couple interesting things. Um, I had a <laughs> I had an audition. Or, excuse me, I had a meeting uh, not this past week, but the week before for uh, a Spanish tele- telenovela soap opera. What, what? Like my character? Do you speak Spanish? Well, I, I took you know five years of Spanish throughout high school and college. I went to Spain for um, you know three weeks or so to I a did month. Not know this about you, but you know it's been seven, eight years since I've <sighs> used Spanish at all in any way, shape, or form. So I, I know the basics, but I got the script. The size it was like thirteen pages of Spanish. The whole, everything was in Spanish from like the stage directions, you know, I mean, or whatever they're called on a, a TV script, you know, they were, everything was in Spanish. And I, I, I called, I called Carl Mage and I said, really? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he said, yeah, you know, they, they, they confirmed that four years of high school Spanish is, is sufficient and that they'll work with you in the audition to actually get you up to speed and make sure that you, that you do it right. Besides the character is supposed to be American. Spanish is supposed to be his second language. And I was like, okay. So I spent a couple hours like translating my, my sides and then trying to like get off book and memorize the sides and not stumble over the words was so difficult. I was ridiculously stressed out for like a 24 hour period there. Uh, wait, how did the audition go? Well, I, I went in and it was uh, pretty quick. I mean, they, they said, uh, they said it was a first read for people, but I guess a lot of the actors there had already been there and they were there for callbacks. And so I went in and, um, they didn't have a reader in the room. It was just me and this girl I'd been paired up with. And so I, I read the scene on camera while she was the reader for me. And then we switched spots and I was the reader for her behind the camera and she read the scene and it was just in and out. I did one, one take and that was it. And then I went home and started to breathe again. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, it was, it was quite, quite an experience. Yeah. That's so, cr- I, I, I feel like the tables have turned because I, I, I like I've, I've gotten sides like, Oh man, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm so proud that you, that you actually went through with it. Cause I got some sides, um, I guess it was during pilot season for this short. It was actually not for a pilot, but it was it was for a short film, and it was all in Spanish. Everything, like just like you, you know yours, and yeah. and um, and I get that a lot because I kind of look you know Latino, and and my manager was like you know just take a look if you don't feel comfortable you know 
it's all right. And the audition was the next day. And I was like, I can't do this. I, I just, I don't know. I did not take four years of Spanish in high school. And, and even if I had it, you know, it would have been a long time as well. I, 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 I chickened out. So that's, Mm. I'm really impressed, man. Well, yeah, I did the best I could. I, I was thinking to myself, like, crap, dude, if I actually booked this, I need to, like, tell them, like, I need it written into the contract that I have, like, a personal coach with me, like, for, like, 12 hours of the day to help me, like, right. decipher the scripts and make sure that I'm saying the words correctly and help me practice. Yeah. Like, I wanted somebody there with me to, like, walk me through the first three months. I think after that, I probably would have picked up on it. Right. You know, and, well, it, and it's it, not just about, you know, saying the words correctly. It's like, you, you have to act oh, God. as well. Yeah. And it, it's, it was really hard, you know, even in the audition. It's just... It Did was, you end up doing lot. like all thirteen pages in the audition? No, thank God. I I called my agent Carl and I said I said please tell me there's one of these. It was five different sets of sides. I said please tell me there's like one or two of these I can focus on. And so he made a call and then called me back. I said yeah, just focus on these two. Oh good. And then when I went in, they just said pick a scene, any scene, and read it. So I did. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That's it was, it was trippy. Interesting story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's new with you, man? <clears throat> Uh, well, uh, things are still slow. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. Yeah. I've had two auditions, one commercial, one for a um, independent feature film. I want to talk about the independent feature film one, though, because it was really interesting. It was being uh, produced by, um, I think it's called Rat Media Productions, but it's uh, Brett, Brett Ratner's um, production company. Why, and, do I, why am I linking his name with X-Men? Uh, he directed it. Oh, he right directed. On. Well, he directed X Men: Last Stand. I don't know if he directed the other two X Men, but he directed uh, uh, Last Stand. And he's also a producer. He produced uh, uh, Prison Break. He produced okay. uh, that movie Skyline that just came out last year. Um, and he's directed a, a bunch of other stuff, the Rush Hour films. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting because this was his production company. It's a no, just another example of like these smaller, uh, you can't even really call them studios, but production companies who are putting together films. This was an independent, you know, feature film. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I was really excited about it because, you know, had I, uh, booked it, um, I guess I could still get a call back. It just happened the other day, but had I booked it, um, you know, that's, that's an awesome sort of, um, you know, we hate using the word networking on this show, but for lack of a better word, you know, networking opportunity for me, because, um, I'm sure that there's going to be money behind it and there's going to be a lot of interest around it because of his involvement. Yeah, you know? I would think so. Yeah. So, uh, but other than that, you know, it's, it's still very, yeah. very slow. Very well, that, slow. That's a good, uh, segue <gasps> because we, uh, you know, just before we started recording here, um, I uh, I sent you that uh, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners have seen this thing floating around the internet, but the 2011 pilot report put together by a guy named James Jones uh, of Premier Talent Group, and it's really fascinating. He breaks. We have this PDF. We're going to post it on our website so uh, our, our listeners can download it and look at it. If <laughs> this you is one of the goodies that Trevor yeah, it, <laughs> referred to earlier, right? And it, this is if you haven't seen it, you know, already on the internet. But it's great. He actually breaks down all the pilots based on where they're cast, how many um, male roles there are, how many female roles there are, where they're shooting, uh, uh, how many like name actors are being considered and how many non-name actors. And it's really, it's really kind of enlightening to see where the industry is at with TV pilots right now. And then he kind of, and it, it's a little, it's a little, uh, disheartening, I think for a lot of kind of, you know, quote unquote developmental talent. But then he add he ends the uh, letter by saying, you know, don't despair. There's uh you know, acting is uh, your acting career is a marathon, not a sprint. And, um, every time you go into the office, you have a chance to wow them and give them a chance to remember you. And so just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. Yeah, I, I loved everything about this because I'm, I'm a bit of a, a nerd for numbers as it is. So you know, just being able to to, to see them, to, to to see the pilots broken down in in this way was was just fascinating to me. And then uh, the, the second reason I'm I'm totally you know captivated by this is because I went out for five pilots this season, yeah, which yeah, is five did. more than I've ever gone out on. I'm not only seeing. Um, <clears throat> the pilots that I went out for on here, but also, you know, who was cast in them, um, mm. which some of which I had looked up on IMDb, uh, before, but, um, 
it's just, it, 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 it's, it's sort of like he was speaking directly to me. It's like, don't be disheartened. You know, he says that the, the, the major silver lining is that if you went out on these pilots, those casting directors know who you are now. And if their pilot got picked up, you are now on the short list of people who are more likely to get called in for things like guest star and co-star roles on that particular show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you go out on a pilot, um, and you don't get cast, the next best thing is that that pilot, that pilot gets picked up because now that casting director knows who you are, assuming you had a, you know, you had a good audition. Yeah. But, um, you know, I went to producers on one and, and I really feel like, you know, I have a, a, a really good shot of actually ending up on, on that show at some point, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I just loved it. And, and a couple of the, um, I don't know if you want to talk about a couple of the numbers, uh, that are on here. I definitely want to mention, um, the majority of the roles are for 30-somethings this mm-hmm. year uh, for both men and women. More females are cast in their 20s than in their 30s, but just barely, just by a couple of percentage points. And then um, a vast majority of the male roles um, uh, are, are, are 30-something, and then and then 20s being the second demographic. What I thought was really interesting is if you combine the roles from 40 to 60, they are almost as... Uh, plentiful, plentiful, numerous, whatever word you want to use, uh, as the twenty somethings yeah. role, the twenty to thirty demographics. So it's just really fascinating. Um, there was just slightly more male roles than female roles um, <clears throat> available this year, which is interesting to me because um, a lot of the shows that I've been hearing about are uh, uh, female focused um uh this season so i thought that was kind of interesting but it's just barely it was like 55 versus 45 percent right um so like trevor said we're going to post this on um on the web on our website uh for you guys to download and take a look and and let us know if you have uh comments about this you know call the call the voicemail or uh send us an email or something about it i i, I could talk about this for another you know 30 minutes i just think it's so fascinating i'm just eating it up like a total like I yeah. said, n- number nerd. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Graphs and everything. And he talks about a Q rating, um, which he, he attributes as, I guess, the uh, the appeal and and uh, name factor of a celebrity. Yeah. And so he actually breaks the, the pilot casting down by people who have a high Q rating versus those who have a low Q rating. Right. And then at the end of the document, you actually have like these lists of actors and what um, pilots they were cast yeah. in. And what did he say? I, I think he said like of of all the actors that were cast, like 2% of them were actors who had not had a series regular role. Is that correct? Yes, only seven bookings seven have been considered actors. truly, truly developmental received uh, series regulars roles, uh, and many of these went to the under age eighteen category, yeah. which makes sense. Yeah. So if you're, if you're gonna cast if if you're gonna cast somebody who's super young, you're probably going to be quote unquote forced to cast somebody who's an unknown because their career hasn't really gotten started yet. Yeah. Um, but seven roles went to truly developmental uh, actors. Yeah. Really interesting stuff. So yeah, so check the website, guys. We'll have a download uh, link to the uh, PDF of this report. So we have an email we want to respond to on today's uh, episode. Uh, And it comes to us from a listener in Australia named... Uh, I hope I'm saying her name, Karina. Yeah, Karina. You said it last time, and Mm -hmm. and she even said in the email, you said my name right. And now I'm like, what is it? (laughs) We have to go back and listen to the other episode in order to remind ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, but you you actually responded to this this email via email, so why don't you kind of break down uh, her question? Sure. Karina's question was basically, um, I'm applying to schools, you know, colleges and universities, and I'm wondering how important it is to have a name school on your resume. She says in Australia, there are basically four big kind of name schools for acting and in the u.s that's probably you know akin to you know a harvard a yale uh, a stanford um you know degree for acting nyu that kind of thing um and when i was in college i wanted my around about my sophomore year i wanted to transfer out of my state school and go to nyu and i was totally fine taking on the debt and living farther from home and you know struggling and my counselor talked me through a lot of it and he said here's what's going to happen he said you'll go to nyu not all of your credits will transfer, so you'll probably end up spending another year there. 
you're going to spend a lot of time in class being taught by a TA rather than an actual professor because these TAs are trying to get their master's degrees and they're, they're doing that. And he said, you probably won't get into a main stage production until maybe like the first semester of your senior year. Like most likely he said, if you stay here, you're going to work on every production we do. You're going to be taught by actual professors. You're not going to accrue any debt. Um, and you're going to be able to, you know, just act a lot more. And so eventually, you know, he's, he persuaded me basically to stay. And I'm so glad that I did because when I came out to LA, I realized that nobody really cares where you went to school Mm -hmm. in this industry. when you're on an audition, they don't look at your resume and go, Oh man, he, he's got a degree from Yale. Let's see, even if his audition is just kind of so-so, I'm sure he could do it because he's got a degree from Yale yeah, no, or, that's not or Juilliard or something like that. It's like, that's not how it works. They don't, they don't, they look at your audition first and then maybe they look at where you went to school and go, oh, where's Westchester? Mm-hmm. That's cool. He was really good. You know, let's, that's kind of interesting. We didn't know, never seen Westchester on there. Yeah. So I basically said to her in, in this market, people don't really care where you go to school. Um, the only kind of good thing you'll get out of it probably is uh, networking opportunities you know, you'll know a, a certain kind of level of people that, that went to that school, uh, professors and, and fellow alum that may have gone on to some success in the industry and also showcases. You know, there's a guy in the, in the show that we're doing right now, AJ gospel court in the first squad, who just had his showcase for yeah. his, his masters at UCLA. And he's gotten a lot of attention from yeah. that, from some pretty big talent agencies. So that's a huge plus. Is it worth the extra, you know, $34,000 of debt? I don't know. I've seen a lot of actors come out of really good grad schools, get attention from big talent agencies only to have nothing happen for them. And really sometimes their work is really not that much better than somebody who doesn't have a, a degree from that, a school like that. So, right. I, I, th- I think, and I think that's probably the most important part is to kind of look at yourself, uh, as, a, a, an artist who is, um, growing and in need of training. And then based on your self-assessment, decide sort of how much training you need or, or, or where uh, you think you will receive the best training. Um, and, and I'm speaking specifically about, you know, actually going back and getting your, your MFA. Um, because like you said, I, I've seen a lot of people who, who come out of an MFA program and they're no better than anybody who came out of, out of an undergrad program. Uh, professionally, I've worked with a lot of people who had their MFAs. And I've worked with a lot of people who don't. And, you know, like you said, once you get out in the, in the, in the industry, no one really cares. I think the only time it may come up is a, a casting director who doesn't know you may look at your resume and say like, oh, they're more willing to take a chance on bringing you into the room uh, based on what school you went to. But the audition is really where it's at. And that, that's so rare that that actually happens. Yeah. You know, uh, it's more likely that the caliber of your agent, you know, might actually get you in the room before, you know, what school you went to. And, yeah. and, and once you're in the room, your audition, the work, that's what, that's what really, you know, that's what really matters. I did go to a name school and the big things that I contend with afterwards, the big thing I contend with afterwards is the debt. You know, I, I'm still paying off student loans. I'm probably going to be doing that for a very long time. It's a total bummer. But um, at the same time, to put, kind of play devil's advocate to this whole point, uh, I did end up getting those networking opportunities that we were talking about before. As an undergrad at UCLA, we don't get a showcase, but almost all of my quote unquote professional gigs after school, meaning ones that I was actually paid for, I can trace back to relationships um, and uh, networking opportunities I had while I was in school while I was at UCLA. So, you know, there's, there's two sides to these coins. And I, and I, I really truly believe that you have to do that whole self-assessment thing and, and, and make that decision for yourself because everything in my bones and my guts was telling me to go to UCLA, even though Mm -hmm. I had been accepted to, to some other, um, quote unquote, lesser known colleges. Right. You know, and I, and I made that choice and I'm, you know, Paying for better or for worse, paying the consequences now. Yeah, know? and that, that's another. That's the whole other thing. I mean, Karina didn't mention whether she was going for her master's or her undergrad, um, and she didn't mention whether or not she'd be going into debt or if she had scholarships lined up or help from family. But it, to me, it is so not worth it to graduate with huge amounts of student loan debt because you're going to be taught you're a slave to that for the next like five, ten, twenty years, and you've that you've got to have some sort of gig that's going to lock you out of your career for such a long time um, or lock you out of, I guess, taking the the big steps in your career yeah. just because you won't have the flexibility in your schedule. I guess I should 
mention that UCLA does kind of reach a little bit of a sweet spot, being that it's a known school, but it's still a state school. And you're and you're in state, so that probably helped. And I was in state, so that yeah. did help with my uh, tuition. I'm from California, so that, yeah. that definitely helped. Although, I mean, gosh, the year after I graduated, they increased tuition like 33% or something insane really? like that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, uh, not only is this country growing broke, but this state is going broke. So, um, yeah. so yay, America. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot to think about there, but you know, in the end, go with your gut, um, take the money factor into consideration heavily. Um, and, uh, remember that the, where you went to school in the end, it really doesn't matter that much in terms of the jobs you're booking. Uh, at least in terms of the work, I guess. Yeah. In yeah. The, your work in the audition. Yeah. 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 We've got one more, um, sort of email and slash goodie that we want to mention. Uh, we got an email from, uh, Brent Williams. Is that his name? Brent. 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 Yeah. Brent. Yes. I think we called him Brent before and he keeps he called us on it. Oh man. He's like, I'm sorry. I think, Brent. He's, I think he said my name is Brent, <laughs> but uh, that's cool. <laughs> uh, Brent Williams wrote in and he actually, um, gave us a ton of information, uh, because he actually called, um, who was it? Was it Actors Tax Prep or was it Chuck Sloan's office? I think he's because uh, he, I, I know remember. he gave us he gave us a link to Chuck's website, but I can't remember which um, office he called. But he actually called them because he was curious about the whole like um, you know uh, uh, calling yourself a business, getting a business license, like that kind of thing, and just got this wealth of information. He was taking notes the whole time, and then he just emailed us, totally yeah. generous, just said like, "Oh, here's all the information I got." Which was amazing. So what we're going to do, Brant, thank you so much, is we're going to take that and we're going to put it into um, uh, sort of an Inside Acting branded PDF and throw it up on the website. Um, but all the credit and glory goes to Brant. Um, so that's the other goodie on the website underneath this episode is that that PDF, um, which talks about what kind of stuff? Like uh, Just a lot of the ins and outs of like uh, performer taxes, you know, <laughs> including like setting up business licenses if you're self-employed. Um, which is often the case for performers, and as well as a what was it like a tax registration certificate? These are things that the IRS will come after you for if you don't have them in place um, at the get go. So uh, really, yeah, really under, useful stuff under certain cir- circumstances, which yeah, yeah. are outlined in 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 this uh, right. in this PDF. So so check it out. I mean, it's uh, you know we wanted to we want to make this stuff as easily digestible as possible, um, and I think uh, Brant's notes kind of do that. So yeah. All right. Well, I guess that does it for now. We're going to uh, roll into this interview. Uh, this is part two of our interview with uh, playwright and up-and-coming screenwriter Kit Steinkellner. So uh, enjoy. No, we, we have a lot of people um, that listen to this podcast who aren't necessarily actors. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be writers, there might be musicians, there might be photographers. I mean, people seem to kind of get a lot of, out of these conversations. Uh, and then we do have people who are actors, but they're also writers and photographers and so on and so forth. So to someone who is interested in kind of getting into writing, you know, actors, I'm thinking specifically of actors who want to start creating their own work. Mm-hmm. What kind of tips would you have for someone just kind of getting ready to sit down and you know, pound out a short that they can shoot for themselves sure. next weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like to think of all the arts sort of living in the same house and just being, you know, you're, you're not a country away from writing or country away from directing. You're just one door over because really we're all doing the same thing. We're all thinking in the same way. You know, um, we're coming from a place of, you know, wanting to tell a compelling story about being personally connected to it. <clears throat> about having it be relevant in the t- you know the time and place we're currently living in um, so I think just getting rid of the idea that it's something because I think I think so many people that are kind of um, exploring a new art are so freaked out by oh but all I've done is acting and I can't possibly be a writer but writing is nothing if it if it's not acting on the page or improvising on the page I mean definitely I think you could ask everyone's writing process is different but for me I'm, I'm always acting and in fact, like, if I'm ever in public writing or writing with somebody, like, if, you know, um, going to get coffee with someone and I'm writing and they're working, they always, I, I would just, I just, um, I guess I put on a show. I don't, I, I didn't know I did, but I'm always acting out stuff. Um, 
And so I think just going in, feeling like, okay, I'm just going to act. I'm just going to improvise. Because a lot of actors, most actors, I think, in Los Angeles have some improv experience. Sure. Just, just, just having it be like, great, I'm going to act. I'm going to improvise. I'm just going to type while I'm doing it. Which um, <laughs> I think I what that. a lot of actors, or, uh, yeah, I think a lot of successful actor writers do. And I'm not an actor, but as a writer, I, I, I still I act and direct on on my keyboard basically mm-hmm. um and so I, I would say yeah definitely that's important just getting rid of the fear and then I think after that it's um it's a matter of okay if you're creating something for yourself um obviously you want to play your strengths you want to show yourself in your best light maybe you haven't been getting cast as a certain type or a certain kind of character you know you can play and you really, really, really want to show that in this short web series, whatever. But I, I think it is really hard when you wear more than one hat. The more hats you wear, the less um, perspective you get because you were, you know, juggling writing and acting and writing, acting, directing. So I think just surrounding yourself with as many, the most brilliant people that you can think of to just constantly check you because at the end of the day, you want it to be the best product possible, and you don't want to stand in your own way by by losing some perspective. Um, so I would say, I mean, just like always, always work with the best people you know, as opposed to your friend who you feel kind of guilty because you haven't been hanging out with them enough, or they need a boost. So yeah, this would be a great thing to give them. I mean, like for me some of the mistakes I've made have come from like really liking someone as a person. So, you know, like shaking hands and doing, doing business as opposed to, I think just asking people who maybe you're like 80% sure they're too busy or won't do it. Um, usually when I ask those people, they say yes. And usually when they ask me, they were 80% sure I wouldn't say yes. It just happened oh, wow. a couple times recently. I think we're all so afraid of, of um, or at least me, I am, um, and people I know are just of, of asking for help and a, and asking for a favor, but it's not a favor if you're creating something great. And you know, you were so nice earlier. You said um, that um, I write for actors, but I absolutely do. And I write for designers. I write for directors. Like I don't. I'm not just like you know cutting my wrists and pouring my blood onto the page and like <laughs> helping someone understand me. I want to write something that everyone is going to have an amazing time putting together. And I think even if you're writing something mm-hmm. for yourself, awesome. You have to make every character sing. It can't just be you and the girlfriend and the waiter and the you know the taxi cab driver. Like you need to write amazing parts that amazing actors are going to want to play. And you need to write something visually stimulating that a director and a, and a DP are just going to be on fire to shoot. And you need to make the set direct decorator really, really want to, you know, come and decorate your set. Because the deal is, if it is a bridge building device, you really want to give everyone something really fun to do so that they will say, I worked on this really fun thing as opposed to my friend said he'd feed me for a day if I, <laughs> if I right. was the gaffer for his thing. And yeah, I mean, there are certain, you know, several roles in shooting a short film or a web series that are not going to be glamorous, but just being super, super nice to everyone and feeding them really, really well and just treating everyone like kings and queens, I think is really important with this kind of stuff because it deals in either I'm, I'm just probably imagining no one's getting paid and if they are getting paid it's minimal they're probably getting fed so you really want to make sure that everybody is on fire and passionate about the story and that yeah and you also get to play an awesome part that you wrote for yourself yeah um that's great that's really good advice because it it makes you remember that the writer is the person who created the entire situation for everybody without a script not much is happening. Mm. You know, unless you're a brilliant improviser who can improvise a three-act structure yeah. and improvise the, you know, the different beats and the all is lost moment. Like, if you can do that, <laughs> then great. And you can organize a shoot around that, fantastic. But without the, the, the writer, without the script, there's nothing. And if you have a script that serves everybody, the, from the designers to the, to, the, to the actors to the different, you know, people involved, the sound people, the camera people, the light people, that's fantastic. I mean, that's such a brilliant insight. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I think, like, you're halfway to writing a brilliant script 
if you are writing a script so that all your friends can get great reviews and mm-hmm. the DP can get great reviews and the costume designer and the lighting designers, everybody. I mean, if, if, if that's your goal is to write something where everybody gets to shine to their absolute best work, you're writing probably like The Wizard of Oz or Citizen Kane or, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. like that's, that's, what, that's what the movies we love and the plays we love and the TV shows we love um, are, are just like masterful mass a masterful ballet of every artistic element working together and you know when something is working on a lesser level that's when you start to hear the writing was amazing and like the performances were really adequate or like oh gosh you know a A list star shined like in this role and the director often fumbled with his you know whatever yeah yeah <laughs> whatever directors fumble with <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> well that's that's really fantastic that's such a great gem is to write for everybody you know don't make it a me fest i really really like that um we're kind of getting to the end here so i want to yeah, i want to wrap up with a couple questions um before we get to our final kind of two questions yeah, that, we, yeah, yeah. that we like to ask our guests right. um i want to ask you are there any sort of books or teachers or classes or any sort of resources that have been really like keystone resources for you um that you can recommend to people if they're if they're looking into, into writing into something. Into writing, yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, my, we talked about Save the Cat being uh, a really great book, love it. which it I've is, read a couple times I mean, now. It is really, for me, one of the saddest things in my writing life is that I never got to tell Blake Snyder how much I loved Save the Cat because he passed away. That's three or four months before I read the book, and just <sighs> it kills me because I, I think he's so brilliantly brilliant. He synthesizes what structure is. And everyone I've recommended to says the same thing. Like, ah, oh, I realize gobbledygook screenwriting books, and I just uh, didn't get it. And then I read it, and it was like my math tutor explained to me algebra for the first time, or like yeah. my history teacher finally making me understand why dates and places and wars, you know, are relevant. And just, it, I feel like he's a great teacher, even on paper, the way all our great teachers are. They just make you understand why as opposed to you have to do it because so right right exactly i love him i love 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 him um i mean i got my ba and my mfa from ucla from the theater department and film department respectively and um like if you are in la obviously an mfa is an amazing amazing resource um as a screenwriter just it opens so many doors and connections and agents and meetings with execs and and also just and they, I think the education at UCLA is incredible, um, but they also have a professional program that is um, less intensive and less expensive, so I think that stuff is pretty great, too. Uh, writersmarket.com offers a lot of, like, webinars and, and classes, and, and they're really, really great. Um, uh, let me think. I mean, I really also love uh, books that aren't necessarily... Um, about screenwriting, but it's about storytelling. Uh, Stephen King's On Writing and Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird are both... I love both they're, those they're books. They're about prose, but they're... I mean, like I said, I think we're all in the same... All artists are in the same house. We're only a hallway away or a couple rooms away, and I think in some ways it's almost... It's equally helpful to read books about storytelling that aren't about screenwriting because then you get to bring all those fresh insights back into screenwriting as opposed to... Um, being so focused on everybody's advice about screenwriting that you sort of lose sight of storytelling and what it is mm, to be a storyteller. Yeah. Um, like my, my favorite things are when theater directors come and direct films or when film directors come and direct theater um, theatrical pieces or, you know, when, um, you know, when people cross media, I, I think they they bring some freshness that's much needed because, you know, trends do happen in every art form and it's great for a while and then it gets stagnant and you need somebody to shake up the mold and just bring something new and just start a new conversation. Yeah. Oh, that's great. We've talked, we've talked a lot about that on the podcast as well as uh, of, I think, I think I forget who I was talking to, but they said something like 10, 15 years ago, if you were a multi hyphenate, if you were an actor slash writer slash director slash producer, as so many people are these days, back then you would almost be frowned upon as yeah. somebody who couldn't focus their energies or they didn't know what they were doing or they were spreading themselves too thin or blah, blah, blah. And now it's, if, if you're not a multi hyphenate, it's like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, you've got to build your brand. You've Absolutely. got to be transparent and you've got to make sure that you're making things happen because the, 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 the barrier to entry has come down. Yeah, and, no, and uh, I think, yeah. and I think more and more I'm learning anyway that so many things, like I, I had an idea a couple years ago and I'm like, oh, it's, you know, that's so niche. Like that doesn't have like a broad enough appeal or like that's, you know, 
to this, to that, to the whatever. And I write it and, you know, send it off and it does great work for me. So I'm really learning to, you know, just absorb as much as you can and take in as much as you can, but then trust yourself to do something that's a little left of center. I mean, there's nothing, nothing worse than, you know, I've worked at a, a couple of film companies and some theater companies. So there's nothing worse than, you know, reading a script that you know someone didn't love writing that they a lot mm. for, for film especially it's a lot of um like kind of like thrillers that would come out in february or march sure. you bring a ton of those where someone thinks great i can sell a film that will come out in february or march so i'm gonna write it as opposed to you know are those I'm, months not not good months or is that usually yeah, where like yeah the, the kind of clutter from the back film. of the closet gets put out <laughs> and sold at yeah. a yard sale yeah okay. films just crawl over <laughs> there and die usually um, not always <laughs> but sometimes okay um but um i mean even though it is a, more of a gamble or more of a risk to put out something that's odd and unusual that hasn't been done in film as much or before or the way you want to do it um you you have to. There's too many. There's too many people trying to be mediocre out there. You have to try mm. to be extraordinary. And, yeah. and, 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 and there's a horrible, horrible cliche. You know, uh, shoot for the moon. If you don't land there, you'll end up among the stars. But it's it's so true because the last thing, if you're trying to be a writer, if you're trying to be an actor, director, everybody has seen people try to be their idols and people try to you know move to the middle and be mediocre. Um, or just get a job, but it's just—it's much—it's much rarer to see someone just trying to be themselves and following all the rules of, of what it is to be an actor or a writer, director, anything. But just trying to be themselves and being passionate about them, being passionate about what they love, and just—and just being weirdos. I mean, I, I think we yeah. need more weirdos. because yeah. yeah. Lord knows it's much more fun to watch something. And by weird, I don't mean David Lynch. By weird, I just mean authentic <laughs> yeah like not another cop show about two women who solve murders but are also hot you know what i mean like it's just, just <laughs> right. write something bizarre quirky yeah because we're all we're all weird nerd nerdy quirky people well, I, I hope people i i am so i'm hoping everybody else is too. I, I, think <laughs> it's so. story. I think but, but I, I really think you have to imagine when you're writing something or when you're going into a room that they've seen a bunch of bland. They've seen a bunch of, you know, trying to, to, to um, you know, be what everyone else is right now. And I think going in there and, and thinking, yeah, maybe I, I won't, you know, maybe this screenplay won't sell. Maybe this audition won't land. But at least I've shown something human and real as opposed to something that um, is a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy that's just not even real anymore. It's just, right. you know... It's been copied so many times over. It's like one of those old Xerox machines. You can't even see what yeah. it is anymore. It's just been copied so many and times. And the tough part about that, though, is that those sell. They still sell. They do, but I don't think that's how people break in. I mean, no. I mean, it, it, obviously, there are people that have <laughs> made millions on, you know, appealing to the middle and, you know, not breaking the mold. But, uh, I, again, all I can do is speak from personal experience. Mm-hmm. And from my personal experience, when I write something that's trying to be something it's always something i have to shelf because it's never yeah. worthwhile and when i write something that is me striving to be extraordinary me striving to put a story to a feeling that i have that i mm-hmm. i know i'm never gonna quite be able to articulate but i'm still gonna you know try my damnedest to just to do something that yeah that um that is that that is unusual that hasn't been done before that deserves to be done um i mean that's what success i've had has come from that yeah so so uh, yeah there have someone next week that'll be like mediocre is the new awesome (laughs) (laughs) but but, um but for me uh you know different is the new awesome yeah well uh, authenticity you know and you definitely you, you do that in spades i think that's why your your work has been so well received and so well um not critiqued, but so well reviewed is what, <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Critiqued was the wrong it's word. Been, no, it's been well critiqued too, but luckily it's also been well reviewed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we have these two final questions that we'd like to ask all it. our guests, um, and they're a little they're a little new agey, but bear with me. Um, the first one is: Do you feel like this career, this this industry, this career path, being a writer in the entertainment industry, do you feel like this chose you, or do you feel like you chose it? It's a good one. Um, I guess we were kind of touching on it earlier. I definitely feel like it's... 
I, I don't feel like there's one single event that happened where, I mean, obviously I was talking about, you know, a couple of key moments where I really clicked in, but, um, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take your new AG and I'll raise you one new AG. Um, <laughs> okay. So I, I, I'm, I'm Jewish and I was recently reminded of, um, what the, the story of Israel, not the country Israel, but uh, Jacob who became Israel. And, uh, his story is he, an angel came down to earth and wrestled with him. Um, and then, I don't know, he saw it and then he like got to go to Israel, the country afterwards. But, um, but the whole point of that story is faith is something you're constantly wrestling with. And if it's real faith and if it's, if it's it, not just, you know, um, subscribing to something you've been told to subscribe to and kind of blindly sheep, like going with it. Um, it's something you're constantly wrestling with. So I, I would say that I would say I'm constantly choosing it and it's constantly choosing m- me. Mm. Like it's definitely, I feel like it's much more of a relationship than a moment in time or an event in time. So I'm going to say always, it's always, I'm always choosing it. That's interesting. <laughs> Does that Great. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Good. Absolutely. And then the second question we have, and this will be the more we'll, we'll wrap up with, hey, absolutely. is if you could take all your experience, all your writing, all your, all your trials and tribulations and, and victories and pitfalls that you've, that you fall into everything and just kind of condense it down into one nugget of wisdom to give to somebody, what would that nugget of wisdom be? Oh. I wish I had studied these questions. <laughs> then I would get an A. Um, uh, okay. Well, again, as long as we're being like super happy tripping yeah. new agey, let's let's have a, a super hippie tripping trees. new, new yeah. let's, let's French kiss them too. <laughs> um, uh, I would say you can never go wrong with loving something. Like you can never go wrong if you're go- if you're coming from a place of love. And again, I, I was kind of touching on something I touched earlier on, which is I think. I think people trip up when when they come from a place of uh, trying to be successful super quick or trying to, you know, make everybody happy or, you know, those things are really good things to consider and put in the back of your head and not ignore. Obviously, you want to be successful and make people happy. I'm not at all, you know, <laughs> shoving those things to the side. But I think front and center, you have to be passionately, madly in love with what you're doing. And obviously, I mean, like I, like I was talking about, I, th- I think whatever your art is, it's, it's a relationship and, you know, relationships are messy and you have fights in relationships and you don't want to be around the person you're in a relationship with on some days and you, you know, don't understand them some days and they don't understand you some days. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, uh, like, you know, at the end of a Disney movie, it's, it's, you know, a constant messy thing, but there has to be a lot of love there or the relationship won't work. So, I'm just going to go with love, 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 more love. <laughs> I love it. Love. <laughs> that is a perfect note to end on. Uh, Kit, if, thank you so much, first of all, for, for oh, yeah, coming absolutely. and spending this time with us. If people want to find out more about you, um, where can they go? Uh, Facebook, Twitter, yeah, IMDb, yeah, sure. and you stuff. You can Facebook friend me, absolutely. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm currently uh, building a website. It'll probably be www.kitsteinkiller.com. Um I mean, that's the domain name I currently have. So I'm um, just like my name with a www.com in front of it. And then I, I, I as mentioning briefly, I have a web comic, which again is something I do completely right. out of love. It's, um, my sister is, um, an artist and we just, we just do it for love. Um, love, 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 more love. Um, but, but that's uh, www.aces.com. So just Great. aces comic, the word. And, um, and so, and like, yeah, all my stuff's on there too. And it's just, it's, it's, it's fun. Cause I, we're talking about self-sustaining work and that's something where, you know, it's not a screenplay that's on the bottom pile with 40 more screenplays on top of it at a studio somewhere. And it's not a play that may or may not get produced by X theater company. It's something that makes little to no money that, you know, we've got a really awesome following but certainly not you know millions upon millions upon millions you know according to the site but um uh but it's it's something that every monday wednesday and friday a new page comes out and there's such a nice sense of accomplishment and of just being able to point to that and go you know no matter what happens the products a b c d or e this thing that I've created on the internet and of course you have that with a podcast sure. you can just point to it and go there it is you know 
no one gets to say boo about it. You know, well, yeah. of course they get to say boo about it, but <laughs> but they can't take it down. Not well, as yeah. long as I pay seventy bucks a year. Right. <laughs> That's the best thing about about being alive in the internet era is that artists of all kind can create their own work and put it out there. There's no you don't have to have a an art gallery showing or a or a play you know being up or you don't have to have any of that. You can just if you can buy a website and a domain name, you can put your work out there. Yeah, yeah. And I love that that even as a, you know actors talk about it all the time. Oh, get on YouTube, get on Vimeo, do your web series. But writers can do it too. And you found a way to do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think especially, yeah, if you've got like an unusual idea or a take on the world, or if it's the kind of thing where your friends keep saying, you've got to do something with this, you know, odd hobby. You have this talent you have, you should have a blog. You should have, you know, like a YouTube series. You, you should put it out there because the thing is, Worst comes to worst, you just got a lot of practice doing what you love to do, and best comes to best. You go viral, and then you have your own network on television, right. and yeah. you're basically Oprah times a million, you know. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I'm building my website, and I have that comic, and then, yeah, I, I always welcome friends on Facebook. Cool. Um, why not? Why not? Great, great. So you guys know where to find Kate. We'll put all those links on the all those links on the website. Thank and um, Kate, thank you again so much for sitting down with us. Oh, of course, it was a pleasure and a joy. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed uh, part two of Trevor's interview with um, Kit Steinkellner. I. I I loved the hell out of this interview. I didn't yeah. want to say anything. You, you, you told know, me before, you said it, it was one of your all-time Inside Acting podcast interviews. It may be, yeah, yeah. Well, the whole interview, definitely, but certainly the second half. Like, I just, I just loved how inspiring it is. I Like, there's so much st- stuff to talk about here. I'm kind of getting excited. I'm, like, stuttering over my <laughs> word, falling over, all over myself here. Um, I loved what she said about you know, all the arts kind of being in the same house and we're just like a doorway away or a hallway away mm, so that, mm. you know, if you step out of your actor door, you know, the writing door is right next door and you yeah, just, you know, step yeah. right into that door. Um, and, and how like, you know, if you want to try out writing, it's really just improvising and, and having an emotional sort of experience on paper or mm-hmm. on your keyboard, you know, um, <laughs> that sounds dirty. That sounds totally dirty. <laughs> I did not mean for that to come out sounding dirty. Um, and, and I just, um, I don't know. It was so, it was so inspirational and just when, and really concise the way that she kind of, you know, lays everything out. Um, I, I don't, I don't even know how to, how to describe, you know, yeah. uh, everything that, you know, I'm trying to sort of co- still connect the dots, but that was, um, I, re- I just really enjoyed it. I was so in love with sitting down with her because I'm so fascinated by writers and, and her writing, especially as you guys heard in the, in the interview. And I think that writing is such a, fascinating and important thing that people do. I was thinking about this uh, a little while ago and I was like, what, what is it about acting that, that really, uh, attracts me, you know? And it was the, the, the thing I came up with was it's because we're telling stories and how have we transmitted culture from generation to generation since the beginning of time? It was through stories yeah. it was through telling stories. I mean, it goes all the way back to like, that's how we educate people. That's, that's how everything happens. And we are the only creature on the universe that has the ability to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And it's the most magical kind of, forgive me for saying this, but divine thing I think that, that anybody can do. And I think that writers are the, are the absolute epicenter of, of that. So, um, an honor to sit down with Kit and have yeah. her on the podcast. Yeah. I think that was, I think you just reminded me of the other thing that I was totally impressed and, and blown away by was, was her idea of, of writing for everyone. Mm, and how mm. she she wanted to make sure that everyone could get behind a project that every she wanted everyone to be passionate about this thing and i just had i didn't mention this in the catch up but i just had the uh the premiere of um a short film that i did uh, on friday night um and uh, that's right our, yeah some of our podcast listeners actually came out so you know big shout out to oh to, i didn't know that that's yeah, cool randy Raphael and uh, oh cool and jen levin Sweet. Uh, came out to to, to to the to the movie and very cool i, I, I just like it was one of those things. It's a twelve and a half minute short film, but it it was. It did seem like everybody was on on board, and, and everybody was you know really interested in, in sort of telling this story. 
Um, and so when she was talking about that, I was like, wow, that's, that's what a, what a, what an amazing sort of pinnacle to hold yourself to. Like, like this is what you have to do as an artist. You have to, you have to be, you know, viciously passionate about what it is that you're doing and you and you have to want to infect everyone else with that passion. Wow. You know? Like I was like, wow, that's so, that's, that's amazing. Like that. Doesn't that make a lot? I feel like that makes life easier somehow. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Cause then Just it's like infecting people. That's all. <clears throat> oh, <laughs> great. Thanks. Thanks. I sure. had to, man. I had You're to. Dirtifying everything. <laughs> You're the one who had an emotional reaction on the keyboard. <sighs> oh, man. All right. Well, now that I'm sufficiently embarrassed, I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> no, that's really cool, man. Um, and I saw the film last night. You showed it to me, and it was really, really well done. You got some really good footage there. Oh, thanks, buddy. Of yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so what's your pick of the week, senor? Uh, my pick of the week. Um, I always have a couple that I'm bouncing around in my head, but I think today's pick of the week, or I should say this week's pick of the week, is uh, a book that I know a lot of our listeners have heard about because I've actually had a few conversations with them on Twitter about it. But uh, Dave Ramsey's The Total Money Makeover. It's a book about how to completely make over your personal finances. And it is um, one of the most nuts and bolts books that I've ever read. And I don't think if I had read this book before some other books that I've read, it would have impacted me the same way it did. But, um, things just kind of clicked for me with that book. And I was like, wow, I see a light at the end of the tunnel and I kind of know how to get there now with like finances, you know? Um, it's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean that in, in, um, I guess, uh, in accordance and concurrence with, I don't even know if I'm using those words right, but uh, a couple other books like Your Money or Your Life, um, a couple personal finance blogs like The Simple Dollar and uh, Get Rich Slowly, um, and Daniel Quinn's writings. I mean, it all just kind of came together for me with this book. I mean, this is a huge conversation. It has to do with culture and capitalism and all these things, but it's funny. Things just clicked for me, and I was I spent the whole week having my noodle baked by, by Dave Ramsey. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's good I stuff. Love it. Um, and I actually bought the, the the book, the hardcover book. I think it's like 25 or 35 bucks if you buy it new. So make sure you guys hop on Amazon and go for like the used version because I got a used copy for like 11 bucks. Oh, so, wow. Um, perfect. Do, you, yeah. do they have like a Kindle copy? Uh, I'm sure they do. I, I don't know. I, I don't have a Kindle. But um, I'm yes, sure. you do. You have a Kindle sitting right in front of you, man. You can have oh, a Kindle. My, um, you, yeah, dude, I hate reading stuff on my computer. Oh, I can't stand right. it. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have. I mean, just the Kindle app. Like you can get it on Mac, PC, iPad, iPod, iPhone. Yeah, uh, it's the it's the whole backlit, Android the backlit screen thing. I can't do. My eyes wear out so fast. Yeah, yeah. I need the the e ink. Hmm. I need a Kindle. See. <laughs> I need a Kindle. Uh, uh, if you'd like to help Trevor yeah. out, you can write we'll to the a separate PayPal Tre- yeah. account. Trevor's, Trevor's Kindle account. <laughs> um, so, okay, so speaking of electronics that you'll never buy for yourself, my birthday was uh, a, a week and a half ago, and, and I, 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 I'm, I'm totally humbled by this. You, you don't understand. It's going to sound like I'm, I'm totally spoiled and, and like I have first world problems, but I, I got an iPad for my birthday because everyone important to me in my life pooled their resources and 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 gave me an Apple Store gift card for an iPad. And and I I know this is something that like I would have never been able to afford. I know this is something that our listeners would never have been able to afford. But I was thinking of my pick of the week. I was like, oh my God, all I've done for the last two weeks is play on my iPad. <laughs> That's all I've been doing. I, it's and it's so true, but the thing is, is that he, I, I I can tie it back into this podcast, and 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 this is why. So there's this there's this personalized magazine app called Zite, which allows you to literally choose topics that you're interested in, um, and then it goes around the internet and looks for stories based around that topic and pulls them all into this one app. So what did I do? Of course, I put in film and TV. Um, amongst other things like, you know, um, uh, world news and politics and social media and gadgets and gaming and Mac and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> but just because I put the film and TV one in there, I have been so much more, so much better informed about what is going on in the industry right now than I have ever been. And it's because I made it digestible for myself. So I think one of the it's ways... huge step. Yeah. I think one of the yeah. ways that that our listeners can do this without an iPad. Cause I, I hate making things, um, you know, financially, 
um, impossible to get, um, is to use things like Google Reader or some kind of RSS feeder, you know, so that you can go around and, and just the, this website pulls from, you know, things like Docker, uh, Hollywood reporter, uh, backstage, like, you know, websites like that, the trades variety. Exactly. So if you use like a, a, a reader of some kind, like Google reader or some kind of RSS reader, you can pull together all of these resources and just keep, keep yourself informed about what's going on. I know a lot of people do this already and I know a lot of people do this more successfully than I do or are more specific about it than I am. But this was kind of revolutionary for me. Yeah. I mean, not well, to steal a word from directly well, from Apple. <laughs> you know. well, you've made it, not only have you made it digestible for yourself, but you've made it enjoyable which I think is huge. And you've done it in a way that doesn't overwhelm you. So, I mean, it sounds yeah. like, I mean, an iPad is such a, an essential tool for actors. And I didn't realize it until um, certain people involved with this birthday gift started telling me why you wanted one. And I was like, oh my God. And then I kind of realized how essential it is for, you know, for, for an acting career, especially because of things like this, where you can just make that, that information not overwhelm you, but be digestible in a way that's, that's enjoyable. Yeah. I hate sitting in front of my computer. I hate it. But I love laying on the couch and reading. If I could put those things together <laughs> somehow, yeah. Uh, that and was for the $500. Th- you that was you th- that was the thing what you just explained was was why I now have one. It was my roommate um has one. Nelson, our producer has one. And and he like I, I during pilot season, I kept getting all these scripts that I had to read, and like the audition would be the next day, and I'd have to get off book and blah blah blah. So I'd be like, "Hey man, can I forward this to you and read it off your?" I'd be like, "Yeah, no problem." So I'd have to wait for him to go to sleep, forward him the email. Um, you know, he'd hand me his iPad before he went to bed, and then I would be up late at night reading the script, blah blah. And I, like I said, this totally I sound spoiled. It's like first world problems, but it it made such a huge difference in yeah. consuming this information. <clears throat> the script that I got for the that that independent film, the the uh, Brett Ratner project, I I, I got that uh, two days beforehand, and within an hour, I had the entire feature film read. I like I read it in an hour. I had I had everything like ready to go. I knew what my sides were going to be. You know, if you get really crazy, you can download you know um, David Lawrence's rehearsal app for the iPad, which is the same the same app as it is for the iPhone, just bigger and better looking. Um, you know, and you can get off book right there as well. So anyway, I don't know. I'm geeking out now, but I, I didn't know what else to do for my pick of the week, except be honest about what I've been sure. spending my time doing, you know? And that's awesome. And it might be worth it. You know, if, if you've got everything, everything else in place, you know, your headshots, your reel, your resume and all that stuff. And you're, you have some free money. Why not start a little savings account for an iPad? I mean, it, it's, it's something that will extremely enrich your life. Yeah. Or, or some tablet, not that we just want to always push, yeah, you know, or you know. a galaxy or whatever the Blackberry one is, or, mm-hmm. you know, any of those, I mean, yeah. they're all, they're all pretty good. And I'm sure, you know, there will be a Kindle app on all of them uh, or some kind of e-reader app. So you can, you know, um, uh, put PDFs as well as, you know, some yeah. of the books that we've talked about on this podcast on it as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I think then that does it for uh, episode like it. 53 of Inside Acting. Lots of ways you guys can support the podcast. Um, just having you listen is amazing. Tell your friends, of course. You can find us online at InsideActingPodcast.com where you can uh, leave a comment on one of our episodes. You can even rate our episodes. We've never talked about this, but you can leave a little star rating on the bottom if you want. If you really liked the episode, <laughs> you can give it five stars. If you didn't like it, then just don't rate it. Um, <laughs> And uh, you can also email us at InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com. You can call our voicemail line at 213-2-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash InsideActing, as well as on uh, ActorRated at uh, ActorRated.com slash something, 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 something. Just search for Inside Acting. <laughs> well, you can, you can rate us on both ActorRated and iTunes by doing a search That's for right. Inside Acting. You can also find us at Twitter.com slash Inside Acting or follow us individually. I'm at Twitter.com slash Digital Actor. And I'm Twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. And then uh, last but not least, you guys can donate to the podcast and support it with your hard-earned dollars. This podcast is not free for us to create. In fact, it's far from it. And every dollar that we get from our listeners helps us keep going. 
Um, we have a lot of things planned. I know we've been saying that forever, but we do, and uh, we're still kind of building up our funds to execute some of those things. So um, we want to do it right. We want to do it right, yeah. yeah. So, so thank you to everybody who has donated in the past. Um, you have probably received things in the mail from us uh, as a thank you, and you've probably gotten a shout-out on the podcast. Um, and for those of you that would like to donate... Go ahead and do it. It's all done through PayPal on our website, and every donation is tax-deductible. It is an education expense for your career, so make sure you hang on to the receipt when you do donate. And if you're one of those people who requires instant gratification, another way that you can sort of semi-financially support the podcast is by using your uh, Inside Acting exclusive discount code at uh, one of our uh, one of our sponsors, or actually our, our only sponsor, which is um, at samofourlife.com, Sam of our tea. You can get anything on the website for 15% off um, by just going on there and using the discount code ACTING101, ACTING101. Yeah. Um, and we also, uh, I mentioned this in the last episode, but we also have an exclusive offer um, through Marcy Leroff's website, if you want to purchase and download her audition bootcamp DVD, um, you can buy it. And when you're purchasing it in the little uh, note field on PayPal, just mention that you heard about it on Inside Acting, and she will actually refund you 20% of your purchase. It's pretty yeah. dang good, man. We're actually working on that for uh, almost all of our guest services uh, or classes or products. We're trying to get an inside acting discount for everybody that we have on the podcast uh, as kind of an added incentive to you guys, our listeners, to not only hear it directly from people that we trust and can vouch for, but uh, you can also uh, save a little bit of money giving them some business. Yeah, we want to make sure that there is uh, uh, multiple, there are multiple um, pathways of, of value through this yeah. podcast. So, cool. Well, that was a long outro. <laughs> it was. So, uh, I think that does it then for Inside Acting Episode 53. I'm Trevor Elgott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, go infect some people with your passion. Yeah.